Why do people walk around in the airport with a bottle of water and every three minutes they take a drink of blah, blah, What the hell is wrong with you people? You, that is a habit you have gotten in. That is not necessary for human existence. You don't have to have water available every three minutes. That's just, that's a fad. That is fashion. That's what a whole generation of people have grown up doing. It's not necessary. I'm getting thirsty. I haven't had anything to drink since this morning. I'm getting thirsty. I'm going to go drink a couple of glasses of water here in a minute. And I won't have wasted, you know, three and a half hours going, searching for a gallon of water. This is, whose gallon of water is that? Which one of you assholes? You just, are, you just want to be in diuresis all the time? Is that what your deal is? You like to pee, don't you? He just likes to hold his dick. He likes to go back and pee. Because that's the upshot of it. You're going to dilute all your, you know, electrolytes. There's a bunch of, have you ever had hyponatremia? Not yet? Bad deal. It, well, what, what the hell's wrong with you? Well, it's half gone. Like I was saying, this is a fad. And it'll be, look, how many plastic water bottles are in the landfill because of this bullshit? You know, I mean, I'm not, you know, Gaia worshiper or anything like that, but it does seem rather excessive to me that everybody has to have a bottle of water because the bottle's got to be put someplace. Where is it going to go? Why did you have to have the bottle of water that bad? Why didn't you just get a glass of water out of the tap, drink it, and set the glass back down and then use it again? I'm from Yeah, hey, you're fucked, aren't you? <laughs> You're fucked. You've got government water up there, don't you? What an excellent idea that turned out to be. Huh? All right, so. Coach, I read your book, Strong Enough. I liked it a lot. Have yeah. you ever decided you were strong enough? No. No, fuck. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. In fact, I've got a money back guarantee. Here at the gym, if you get too strong, we give you your money back. That's our money back. No, they're the judge of that. I let them judge that. You come to me one day and say, well, Rip, I'm going to need my money back for the last month's dues. Last month, I got too strong. And I'd say, here it is, man. Here's your 30 bucks. Just keep this, just keep this quiet, okay? <laughs> keep this between me and you, please. <laughs> All right. Um, other than you telling telling me not to do it, what would be some words of advice for somebody about to open a gym? Have you had a psychiatric evaluation? <laughs> I'd get one of those. You haven't had a psychiatric evaluation. I can tell by your. I can tell by your attitude. No, you're sick. Something's wrong with you. Have you just decided your training's been too productive over the past few years? It's the worst thing you'll ever do for your training. But if you want to do it, go ahead. You know, don't spend a bunch of money on stupid bullshit. 
Keep your overhead down. Change your own light bulbs. Lie to the city about code enforcement issues. Always lie to the city about code enforcement issues. All right? Don't advertise. It's a waste of money. Don't let anybody talk you into spending money on advertising because it doesn't work. It's a complete waste of money. This method is what separates you from everybody else. Because everybody that comes in your gym is going to get good, positive results at a very short period of time. Every single one of them that you do this program with. That's what's interesting about this program. It mathematically cannot fail. If you implement it correctly, everybody that does it gets results. No other program can say that. So you give them, you give them that, but in terms of running the gym, you're just going to have to keep your overhead down and every dime gets accounted for, you know, until you're making, until you're actually breaking even and making money. What market are you in? St. Louis, big town. There's not a, there's not a starting strength gym up there. And uh, this model works in towns that size. We know that every one of them that's open is making money. So uh, you just have to, you know, don't tell everybody you're a CrossFit because you're just another CrossFit box. If you're box, you're another CrossFit box. <laughs> if you're if you're doing that, but if you're a if you're a Black Iron Gym, tell them we squat, we do the lifts, we have expert instruction. That's why I came here to take this back. Yep, you'll be fine, but it's going to be a long road to hoe. Right. That kind of leads into my question. Can you tell us the process or the requirements of starting an actual starting strength gym? First thing, you have to be a starting strength coach. So once you are a starting strength coach, and we can get you in and intern, let you intern on a platform, verify that you know what you're doing with a group of people, then we would approve your application to be a starting strength gym. But nobody with, without a starting strength coach credential can own a starting strength gym. What about the equipment? That's why there aren't but like 14 of them in the, right. in the country. Do you, do you come by and check all the equipment out and all that stuff? Or oh, I'll know. Yeah. I'll know what you got. Okay. You know, one way or another, I'll figure out whether or not you're qualified to, to do the deal. So, uh, Matt, help me figure out that the pain I'm feeling is, is from uh, sciatic nerve pain from a herniated disc in my back. Uh -huh. So I wanted to see if you had any advice for training through that. Or... Well, you got to pull, you got to squat. The vast majority of people with this kind of problem report that, you know, keeping their back strong keeps their pain under control. You know, quit doing sit-ups and quit doing back extensions. Good. That's the first thing you stop doing. Quit wiggling your back around and let it settle down. You know, if you've got an inflammatory process, it's not going to be helped by wiggling it around. It wants to be still because it's a spine. So keep it still and load it while it's still, right? And it'll get strong and it'll... You think that's something that the pain will eventually... We have had...
We have thousands of posts about this on the board. Thousands of posts about this on the board. Look them up. Everybody reports the same thing. If they got back trouble, their back doesn't bother them when they're strong. They quit training for a while, take a layoff, back starts hurting again. They start back training, it goes away. When I take the weekend off or something, it always hurts the worst on Monday. You sound like you're overtraining. If a, if a three-day layoff bothers your back, sounds like to me you're doing something wrong. When did you herniate your disc? Uh, last year. Obviously, don't piss it off worse, but you need to train it. If it happened last week, you'd probably have to be a little concerned. If it's a chronic injury, you need to train through it. If it's an acute injury, you need to let it heal a very short period of time and then train through it. Uh, my first exposure to the STAR protocol was the Joe Lepo article on the website. Right. Um, my question is. Uh, is there a general protocol? Does it vary by the injury? Is it only it, no, it's a general approach to a muscle belly injury. It's that uh, he, wrote a, he wrote it up accurately. It's the high reps, three sets of like 25, starting at a lightweight and progressing every day over about a two-week period as you increase the weight on the, on the injury. Then you take it from 25s down to 15s and then to 10s and then back to 5s and over two, two and a half weeks it ought to be healed. But you train it every day. It won't be any fun. But if you don't do it and you've got a hamstring tear, it's going to scar. The worst advice in the entire medical community for injuries like that, let it heal. Uh, doesn't work. Make it heal. You have, to, you have to train it while it's healing or it will make a scar. And then it will be, do you know how many track uh, careers have been ended by a hamstring tear that these idiots don't know how to rehab? I mean, it works, and it works very, very fast. But you cannot let it heal because it won't heal. It'll scar. And if it's scar, it's going to re-injure. You let it scar, it's going to re-injure. Every time, it's going to re-injure. So you have to get in the middle of these things and beat them to death. Right? If you get an injury like that, the worst thing you can possibly do is go to the doctor. They have no idea what to do. None whatsoever. Hell, the physical therapist doesn't have any idea what to do. Do what? Well, one or two of them do. All the guys, all the guys associated with us. But how many guys in your industry would recommend something like that on a muscle belly tear? No. Even the orthopedist and physicians that send to me, like they send to me someone with a severe sprain strain that has, you know, a hematoma. It's got an obvious. It's been an obvious trauma in the area. They, they, they won't let me move very early. I have to call the doctor and tell him, here's what I do. I'm going to be loading that muscle early. Here's how I'm going to do it. I'll use modalities to it, jump to leave it. But here's what I want to do with it. 
And now I've got guys that, that let me do what I want to do. But most therapists that I work with, they're, they're just not going to use that school of thought. They just, they, they don't know. It's, it's, I don't know. They I have no don't idea. Uh, I have a soccer-related question. All right. Oh, good. Uh, or football, as I like to call it. Yes. You actually use your foot. Football. Uh, <laughs> football. Football. Yeah. Well, if you're a Brit, it's football. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's very endurance-based, right? But also there's some jumping and sprinting. Depends on the position. Yeah, it depends on the position. And there's a lot of knee injuries and hamstring injuries in soccer. Yeah. Uh, but no ACLs, one, lots yeah. and lots and lots of ACLs. I know a lot of yeah, like twenty-year-old soccer players that play like three times a week and they injure their knee. Yes. And no one's doing strength training for the legs. No, no, no. Slows them down. Yeah. Slows them down. <laughs> ACL ruptures, of course, don't. But <laughs> lifting weights slows them down. Yeah, so you think they also soccer players who play a lot of soccer could still like squat three times a week and do the beginner the novice program if, they can, if the little skinny bastards will eat but here's the biggest problem with at least male soccer players and i happen to know the, the girls are the same way they won't eat they will not eat the high school soccer players you can't get those kids to eat they won't do it so you think they need it to be in a calorie surplus, or would it be maintenance enough? Yeah. Like how much? Well, they're going if they're going to train with weights and they're going to practice soccer four days a week. How many calories do you think they need? Really? Well, you know, forty-five hundred, five thousand anyway. <laughs> they're trying. A, they're trying to grow because they're kids. B, they've got to recover from all that endurance work. And C, they're trying to get big because you got them training. How many calories a day do they need? 5,000? A lot of milk. Just, I mean, but, but how, many, how many high school soccer players do you know, college soccer players, that will eat 5,000 calories a day? None. So, just leave them alone. Just let them have fun, let them play soccer. That's all they want to do anyway. Keep the endurance and gain weight and get stronger and still be good players. But they won't do it. That's what I'm telling you is that here's the formula. You train with, for strength. You get your hamstring strong so you don't tear an ACL, right? You get, you get bigger and more muscular so that when you get run into on the field, the other guy bounces off of you instead of you bounces off of him, right? You, you play soccer so you're in shape for the game. You, play, you, you work on your field skills, right? You sleep. More than you think you need to sleep, and you eat 5,000 calories a day. That's the formula. Now, good luck. All right? Let us know how it works. Okay? Something I thought about when watching those old uh, record lifts that you were showing yesterday, what right. do you think the chances are that they were on steroids? 100%. 100%. Why? Does it make them light? Does that make the weight lighter? What I'm saying is they're still taking steroids, but they're not do nobody's done 502. Still pretty impressive, huh? No, they're using steroids. Of course they were. In 1972, there was nothing even illegal about using steroids. 
Of course they're using steroids. What kind of fools would they be if they weren't using steroids? You know that people use steroids, so if you think logically, how could somebody who didn't use steroids be the strongest human being that ever lived? Clearly the strongest human being who ever lived is using steroids, right? But yeah, there's genetic, but I mean, you know, it's the same for me. No one has ever been in Mr. Olympia bodybuilding competition ever and not been on steroids. Nope. Nobody's ever done a bodybuilding competition and not been on steroids. So you're like your uncle that said that he was a bodybuilder that wasn't on steroids? He's lying to you. He was on steroids. And your aunt? He your probably uncle. still is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yet they make a deal about, you know, every once in a while you'll see something crop up like, the media makes a big deal of it. Why would that be? Why, why, that's not even an intelligent question. Why would the media make a big deal out of something they don't even understand? Because that's the media. That's what they do. That's what they do. That's the media's job is to sell advertising. Of course they're going to make a big deal out of steroids. They're making a big deal out of Barry Bonds being injected with human growth hormone one time by his trainer. I don't even know where to start to explain to you how stupid that is. I mean, anybody who knows anything at all about human growth hormone knows that that is the most stupid sentence that's ever been constructed. A, that's not how it works. B, it doesn't make you stronger anyway. It never has worked like that. And C, who gives a shit if you got one four-unit injection of human growth hormone? It doesn't, occur, it doesn't do anything until you've been taking it several weeks in a row, and then it does a little tiny bit, none of it's good. Unless you're recovering from surgery. Human growth hormones are real useful for connective tissue repair. But as far as skeletal muscle mass, skeletal muscle strength, it doesn't do a fucking thing. Nothing. So why do we care if Barry Bonds got one shot of human growth hormone from his trainer? Well, we care about that so that John McCain can get up on TV and act like the moral conscience of this country. And I, that just, that's a waste of electricity. I, I cannot express my contempt for these fuckers. How many of you have heard of Ilya Ilyan? One guy up here in the front row. He, I think he won the 94 kilo uh, division in London. In 2012. Now he's a 105 kilo lifter. He's one of the best lifters in the world from Kazakhstan. They just retested his samples from... They're all taking steroids. Get used to the idea. Okay, here's a horrible thing. When was Sydney? No, 08 or 4, one of the two. 4. It was 4. Do you realize that there was a worldwide shortage, a worldwide shortage of aqueous testosterone occurred in June of 2004. <laughs> Do you know why? It had all been sent to Sydney. It's not 
I'm sorry, guys. That's just the facts. That's just the facts. Highly competitive people will take steroids because they work. CrossFit athletes. They're on TV. They're on TV. They're competing for money. Come on. Grow up. Quit worrying about it. It's the way people are. It's what they're going to do. Just get used to the idea. And don't get all offended when you hear this shit. Here's a question. If we had a National Football League where everybody in the league was drug tested every single day and was not on steroids, and we had an American Football League on the other side where everybody was tested every week and they had to take steroids, as a part of their contract, we don't care if you die, we don't care if you have a heart attack, we don't care about testicular atrophy, we don't care about anything except your performance on the field. You will take steroids. We're paying you millions of dollars and we don't give a shit about your health. That's why we're paying you millions of dollars. Do you want the job or not? If you want the job, you will take steroids. Which league are you going to watch? Okay? You see the point? Everybody shut up about the steroid shit, just shut up about it. Just grow up, be adults, they're on steroids. If you don't like the fact, don't take them yourself. But don't expect competitive human beings to not do everything they can possibly do to win. Because you're not being realistic, you're not being an adult if you think that that's not going on. Because it is going on, it always will go on. They will always be one step ahead of John McCain. I assure you. Because that's not hard to be.